Guys, welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast. I am your host, Michael O. Oh my goodness. I know it's been a minute since I brought you a Wisdom Wednesdays episode, but you know, I just don't want to bring it every week just for the sake of it. I want to bring you guests that are insightful, enlightening, just full of gems. And oh my goodness, do I have a guest like that today? Um, Such an incredible individual. He started out as an entrepreneur, started his journey as an entrepreneur, building franchises and building restaurant chains and restaurant businesses, chains of restaurants, essentially becoming a successful entrepreneur. And now he has transitioned into a spiritual master where he teaches the law of attraction, meditation, yoga, and is so insightful on the laws of the universe and teaches people how they can combine the laws of the universe laws of attraction, law of vibration, and combine that with business and practical life success. The gems that are going to be packed on this episode today, you would not even want to take a sip of water. (laughs) Remain hydrated, of course. My guest today is Master Sri Akashna. Stay tuned. What's going on, people? This is your boy, Michael O, your chief motivational officer. Listen, I am excited to bring you a brand new podcast, Moving Mountains, hosted by myself. Find me on Spotify, find us on iTunes, find us on YouTube. Connect with us, Moving Mountains podcast. Master Sri Akashna, namaste. Welcome to the Moving Mountains pod. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you. Um, As I was sharing earlier, I've been essentially following your journey. For the last eight years, right? I attended one of the seminars that you spoke about. I think you were talking about franchising your business and oh, things wow. like that. Yeah, come a long way, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have followed the journey from Eric Ho mm. um, to now Master Sri Akashna. Mm. I am an avid listener of mm. of your content and your videos, and so I'm very pleased to bring some of this stuff to the viewers because mm. this is essentially some of what I speak and talk about on the podcast as well. It's about, um, for me, it's all about the emergence of the laws of the universe, you know, manifestation, laws of attraction, and how to apply them into our practical everyday life. Mm. Um, so I'm essentially going to work, I'm going to work a bit backwards um, on this interview. I'm going to talk about where you are now, what you're seeking to ch- achieve now, and work it backwards onto essentially how you started and arrived at this journey. Um, but before I do that, I'm, I'm curious to know the significance of going from Eric Ho to Master Sri Akashna. What, what happened to Eric Ho? Um, <laughs> it's a, quite a long story. <laughs> so, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, I was uh, chosen by a Himalayan yogi. His name is uh, Grandmaster Aksha. Um, who grew up, grew up in the mountains. And um, one of his disciples reached out to me one day to ask if I want to go to the Himalayas. And that trip was to go through a, some sort of awakening journey, which I had no idea what it was about at, at first. And then to realize that it was some sort of awakening journey. I thought, I mean, the skeptical mind, the normal human mind, was saying that maybe this guy wants me to pay for some yoga retreat or something. Right. But anyway, I'd, I had nothing to lose. I thought, why not just go ahead and see what it is about? And I thought it was purely yoga. And when I went out there and then came the third day, there was some tapping thing happening here and some awakening thing and seeing future different dimensions and stuff like that. And it was really trippy. Interesting. And then from there, I was all open. Like I was like, you know what? I want to know what this is about. Why am I here? You you have millions of disciples all around the world. Why me? I've only met you for a couple of years, you know? And then as we progressed through the journey and uh, I guess all the answers started to come. And at the end of it, I seen the end of, we can say an era, the energy of Eric Ho. And the new beginning of what the new purpose was for this new energy that um, needed to do in this physical plane. So it was a very, very strange thing. So um, that's in a nutshell. It's interesting because I've, I've, you know, done, especially even most recently, is I've done um, ayahuasca. Mm. I went to the, um, as um, a retreat in Costa Rica. Mm that I did seven days for and it was very um it was very intense mm. you get to meet you get to meet you yourself 
or a new self in a whole completely different way. Mm. And it sort of, st- you start to question how to, because who you used to be before that experience almost becomes somewhat alien, mm. right? And you have to reemerge into this new form. And for me, I had to go through, and and that's somewhat still going through this process of how do I now merge everything that I am now becoming into everything that I was. And I, I was very comfortable and happy as an entrepreneur doing doing what I was doing in business and, and all of that. Um, and now starting to understand that there is actually, there is a slightly deeper journey to go on. The purpose is greater than just building businesses and things like that. For me, you know, I imagine it would have been similar for you as well. So, so it's, it, it resonates very well what you're saying because two months prior to that call that I got, that message that I got, I was on a plane journey and you know how it was because you went to one of the events. I was flying from you know LA to Taiwan to Singapore to all these different places and London hosting events and teaching teaching business entrepreneurship right. and, and a bit of a bit of law of attraction manifestation but not too much at that time and I was sat on a plane and one of our team members Harriet she asked me she said um, you always speak about you need to set goals but you've never really taught, told us what your goal is and for the first time it just came out where I said actually I don't, I don't, I don't have a goal and she said, what do you mean? You always teach people to have goals. I said, something was very strange. This is the first time I spoke about it on that plane journey. And I said that, Harriet, actually, to be honest with you, I don't feel I'm going to be here much longer. And then she said, what are you saying? And I said, I, I said, it's a really strange feeling. I said, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I'm not depressed or anything. Don't, 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 don't think I'm going to suicide or anything. Um, and it was really strange because when, while I was saying that, um, my partner, Kaina, she was crying. She was like, what are you saying? Why are you saying this? You know, but it was the truth for me because what I was saying to them was I've gotten to a place where I've, I've built several different businesses and organizations and done what is deemed as successful. I've bought every car, every house, every yacht or anything that I've ever wanted. I don't feel, I feel like I'm fulfilled. I am happy and I don't even feel like I need to chase anymore and I just feel done. I feel like I, like, like, like you said, I've been speaking for the past what, eight, eight, eight years or something like that and I said, I, I feel I've helped and did my part. I just have this strange feeling that somehow the universe is going to take me. I don't know how it is. Maybe it's just going to be a calm way it's going to take me. And I actually said that but in my mind at the time, I really thought that I would somehow I mean, not to be dramatic, but die. And the interesting thing was, literally like two months after I received this message and then this whole journey comes along and then allows me, just what you were saying before with your journey in ayahuasca, see something else that you never really thought about before and then feel like, wow, this is a new thing. This is what I need to do and I need to accomplish this. So it's a... Very similar journey. It's 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 so <laughs> mind opening and um so so what would you say your purpose, your I wouldn't even call it a goal. What what would you say now in the reemergence that you are now? What is what is your purpose? What do you seek to accomplish? Right now is hundred percent not personal purpose. Mm. There is there is there is nothing I need for myself. Mm. Like nothing. I mean, yeah, you take food and things like that to to stay alive, obviously. But there is nothing that I don't need another Lamborghini. I don't need another watch. I don't need another house. I don't. I just don't. Doesn't don't, don't need it. Not that I'm going to stop myself from receiving abundance because we need to be abundant to be able to give abundance Absolutely. out there. You know, so yeah. that's fine. But the whole purpose right now is to um, serve the shift, the global shift that is happening. And be able to help people build up their spirits to be able to withstand, in particular, I'm talking about this coming a couple of years, the crash, not just economic crash, mental crash, every crash that's just about to happen. Because 
whether we like it or not, war is breaking out. And this, in spirituality, what our masters talk about is the dark age. It's a cycle. And so we have to do our part. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go there because I, um, I was going to talk about the crash, mainly financially and economically that's coming and how you feel people should prepare for that. Um, but you're talking about a, something even bigger and deeper. Tell, tell us what you mean. Tell us what you mean by that. <laughs> Actually, in Hinduism, mm. they refer to three divine energies the creator, the preserver, the destroyer. This cycle, if we just look back at track history, every 12 to 15 years happens again and yeah. again and again. Yeah. This, it's a pattern. Absolutely. When people say, oh, Master Sri Akash is making a prediction, this is not a prediction. Yeah. It's, it's a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitable. When things inflate, it has to come down Absolutely. at some point. So yes. it's, it's, not, it's not a guess. There's not a guessing game. But why does that happen is because of the balancing out of energies Right now, we can classify it as the divine energies of, the, of destruction is happening. And the interesting thing was, I had finished my first journey, awakening journey, in 2019. And in 2019, that was around October time, when I just went back, I was in San Diego. I hosted an event. And I told people at that time, and this is all recorded and documented. And I told them, I said, prepare what is about to happen because right now it's about to get real. And I'm talking about war. I'm talking about natural disaster. I'm talking about all these things. Then what happened? Australia, forest fires, uh, Philippine, I think earthquake or volcano or something. Then came the riots in Hong Kong. Then came every, coronavirus and then Black Lives Matter and then just everything else, mm. lockdown, and then fin financial, and everything started kicking off. Right now, we're at this point here, it's prolonged a few years. There's war to happen, much bigger than what people think. And we're speaking this not to make people into fear-based, because would we want to do the exact opposite that, to that, is what you were saying before. How do you prepare the people? Yeah. It's inevitable. Destruction will happen, yeah. but it has to... You see, planet has to go through destruction to cleanse, clear space for new innovation to happen. Yeah. And this is exactly what we've seen since, since all of this has started kicking off in, in 2020. We've evolved. Yeah. And we've evolved unconsciously. Every, everybody agree. who ever said, uh, you know, I don't like social media or oh, technology. I don't like technology. It, it doesn't matter. And everybody who said once upon a time, oh, people need to stay more present in the moment and they're always on their phones and things like that and people don't connect anymore. Actually, <laughs> the truth is now that technology is, was the only thing that saved us. Absolutely. It, it, it reconnected us and it gave us a whole new meaning to a way where everything now is moving even more digital to digital currency, to digital assets, now to digital world. Yes. So, the planet needed to go through this evolution and to go through that evolution, it has to create some disturbance for people to find the solutions to. Yeah. And that's what speeds up the awakening. And so there's still a bit to go, um, but you're quite right in saying the financially people need to really prepare. How, how, do we, how do people need to prepare? I mean, for me, I've, I've always said, and I, I've just finished reading a book called The Fourth... Um, uh, I think I mentioned it on one of the episodes. I can't remember, but go back on last week's episode <laughs> and check and check that out. And it literally talks about the cycles of the world mm -hmm. in the same way there there are cycles of the year and seasons of the year and summer and winter and all of that. It's exactly the same thing with the universe. Mm -hmm. And we have now entered into the winter season of the universe mm -hmm. where it's about to be cold and dark as we have already started experiencing. Um and it, it likens it to the Great Depression and, you know, all of those kind of seasons um, that have happened in the past. What are some of the practical ways that people can start preparing, especially financially, to fortify themselves for what's coming? Okay. Um, yeah. It's nice you say, especially financially, but mental is a part of it. Absolutely. Because finance affects everybody. Absolutely. Whether they like money or they don't like right. money. Right. It yes. affects everybody. Yeah. So build, that's why we work on pe building people's spirits up, building strength, inner strength, uh, mental, mental strength, um, being more solution focused, 
not focusing on problems. This is manifestation. This is our topic, right? So um, staying positive, uh, solution focused. But when it comes to the money side, people right now, because we're in this phase and of this digital uh, era yeah. of digital assets and digital currency, the biggest opportunities are there. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if you like technology or don't like technology. It is what it is. It's inevitable. And at some time, everybody's going to be using it. You yeah. know, everybody's going to be in the game. Right now, it's still early stages. And um, as we are recording this podcast right now, actually, everything is down. Yes. <laughs> at least four times down. Literally. At least four or five times down. So it means that actually, it's, it's, you, don't, you don't even need m- much brain power or anything. You're saying if you go in now... And people are saying, oh, what if it drops another 50? It doesn't matter, actually. It doesn't matter. You can dollar cost average, do whatever you want to do. But right now, it's still low. So people get in. This is a huge opportunity. But I've always been focusing uh, with our community over the past couple of years on getting them to get more smarter with money, how to make money, right? And it has to be online. They have to learn to do it online. They have to learn to do it digitally. People who are doing it conventional ways, I mean, I used to run restaurant franchise, you know? It, 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 it's, it was very hard to survive the, yes, these past few years. Now. Yes. So it's almost like the universe giving you the biggest sign and saying, this is the only way to go right now. So we need to take that as a sign. How do you make money online? How do you make money digitally, whether you in cryptocurrency or in NFTs, in NFT space? I think Metaverse is still... A little bit early right now. Nobody really knows what it is. Um, and then when you accumulate as much capital as possible, right? The thing is, how do you leverage? The second thing, how do you leverage? How do you build up your credit? And some people say, oh, but I've got very bad credit with the, with the, with the, with the banks and what. It, it doesn't matter, actually. Try to build it up. Find other alternative ways of leveraging. And what about building your credit with people? Relationship equity. Right. Because people have money. Yes. So it doesn't matter how you build up your credit, but the more credit you have, the more you're going to be able to not not just try to survive through this, you can thrive through this. Right. Why? Because the biggest downturns creates the biggest opportunities. And so when that happens, now I'll I'll tell you quite interesting, this morning, um, one of our team members came up to me and said, Master, do you know, uh, have you seen Eve? I said, no, what happened to Eve? Eve is at (laughs) 1,500. I was like, (laughs) <laughs> oh no and he, and he was like what do you mean I said oh, come on it has to drop another 50% I've still got a 50% bag waiting for that you get what I'm saying yeah. and I'm like okay cool I mean dollar cost averaging that's fine but I've got my big part yeah. I'm thinking if it does one more pullback that's great you know yeah. that's the biggest opportunity yeah. so while people are like oh my god it's gonna crash it's gonna crash it's gonna crash actually the smartest people are thinking if it does crash and the more extreme it crashes the bigger the opportunity Yeah. right and that is the reality of it. And so when people are saying, oh, the recession's happening, the recession's happening, I'm seeing it. And this is what I say to all our community members. I say, this is like a ticking time bomb. What you can do before the crash happens, right, will pretty much determine your destiny for the next five, 10 years. Absolutely. If it comes fast, before you build up credit, before you build up enough capital, then you can only just be the audience and watch it crash yeah. and watch it go back up and yeah. be able to do nothing about it. Yeah. That's why we're racing against time right now. People should be hustling more than ever before. Nobody should be waiting it out. Right. People should be in more the hustle and grind than ever before. They should be working an extra job, an extra part-time, an extra... They should be putting extra effort into everything they're doing to try and accumulate as much capital as possible. Capital, leverage, then when the opportunity actually hits... Right, and recession is actually confirmed and everybody's talking about it, it's down, right? Then you have to go in and you have to go in with leverage. Those who go in with full cash, buying properties and things like that is uh, stupidity because you, <laughs> you you could either take one mil and buy you know 10 properties Absolutely. or buy one, take one mil and buy one property. So yeah. they have to leverage at that point. So yeah. people need to understand, get themselves financially educated, know the difference between good debt, bad debt and, and, and make the most out of this. Because if they play the cards right, over the next one, two, or three years, 
the next 10 years, maybe even 25 years. They don't even need to, they never will need to worry about money again. Oh, hmm. Listen, I'm smiling the whole time you're talking. It's like you sat in the car on your way here and went through the last few episodes of the podcast just to make sure that you are up to speed because this is what I've been talking about. I've been, I believe that this is probably one of the biggest wealth transfers in history in my lifetime anyway that we're going to experience i was always one of those people who was a little bit jealous of the baby boomers who had the internet opportunity mm -hmm. because i was so young to actually be a part of that mm -hmm. to be able to benefit from it mm -hmm. and then comes cryptocurrency right um and it's like last night i was looking <laughs> i was with my partner looking at my account and i'm like look i'm minus 600k down but i i, I, st I said mm -hmm. to her listen i need to put another 100k in because with the way things are going you absolutely just have to take absolute advantage of it and i talk about crypto a lot on the podcast because for me i see that as an amazing vehicle for millennials to be able to build wealth in the medium and long term people have never ever had opportunities like this before i'm telling never. you never yeah never could anybody just uh, invest what a few hundred dollars and suddenly yeah. become millionaires like <laughs> this is actually yeah. real and it's happening right now yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible it's incredible i've i've experienced this over the last two and a half three years with the covid and all of that i was i accidentally got into crypto um in 2017 but just at the just literally at the hit of lockdown i went in i went in heavy and i'm saying to i'm saying to people i'm like look I can't make this stuff up. I, the this, these are the results. I don't know any anything else that you can invest in right now that will be able to bring you this level of return. And of course, with great opportunity comes great volatility. It's just the space that you're in. You just need to know how to ride it. And for a lot of people, especially who became interested in crypto when it was at its peak and we're putting money in, when Bitcoin was 60,000 and lost all of that, they have lost the enthusiasm that they had when everybody was talking about it but i've always believed in this thing that ray dalio had always said um and he says be greedy when everybody's cautious mm -hmm. and be cautious when everyone's greedy mm -hmm. and especially at this time when nobody's talking about it right and if they are they're talking about it from a place of caution mm -hmm. i believe this is one of the best times like i always say on the channel this is not financial advice but it really is good advice <laughs> like <laughs> 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 it's brilliant advice so i'm pleased that you you brought that on and that's that's really important i i completely second that mm. i want to talk about the law of attraction mm. that's something that i talk about a little bit and it's it's crazy because when i look in my circle i've got a i've got two groups of people i've got um a group of su successful businesses who believe in the hustle and bustle and just bust your butt up and just go there and do 120 hours and do all of that good stuff and i've got the other um the other group who are they believe in the law of attraction and all of that but they also a little bit less on the hustle side but definitely more on the meditate let it kind of manifest kind of side and i've always uh, people I, I had a conversation with um a lady from channel four a few days ago about interview and i was talking about the, the law of attraction and stuff like that and she's like what do you say to people who don't believe in the, the law of attraction mm. and i say to them i said you know i don't ever argue with anybody about the law of gravity i simply tell you to go and stand on the top of a building jump off the building and let's see which direction you go um and it's exactly the same thing i say about the law of attraction you don't have to believe in it it's working whether you believe and agree with it or not what from your perspective as a teacher, what is the law of attraction? How does it affect people's lives? And how can we consciously use it to our advantage? So um, I think uh, in agreement with what you were saying, it, it, it's, it's a law. It's, it's a principle. We are, it's, it's science, right? We, we are all energy. Energy all travels in waves, meaning everything is a vibration. And vibrations at a similar frequency will come together that's science it's as simple as that yeah if anybody goes out and you smile more people who are happy will naturally gravitate, gravitate towards you people who go out and they start complaining other complainers will come and complain with you yeah that is because the frequency is 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 of is similar and so it attracts so 
definitely um, it, it's, it's not a choice. But I think what you're saying here is um, when you're asking how people should consciously attract is the key part. Because we need to understand that it first starts off with thought. Everything in our physical reality manifested from thought. The lights, the floor, it doesn't matter. There has to be some thought that got it here. So when everything in physical reality manifests from thought and we want to manifest some physical reality, we need to start from thought. But the biggest problem is exactly what you mentioned. There is a conscious thought and there's a subconscious thought. So your conscious thought could be thinking, I want to manifest more money or I want to attract more wealth. Or you can even be doing affirmations in the morning. So many people do it. I am rich. I am wealthy. I am abundant. Well, you can do that all day long and, 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 and pray to God that it happens. But the problem is there's complete disalignment when it comes to the action, when it comes to um, their subconscious mind. How do we see that? Very simple. The same person who said, I am abundant, I am rich, I am worthy, goes into the supermarket, looks at you know two different waters or looks at two different cakes or whatever and then chooses the cheapest one and says, oh, I need to go for that. That one's really expensive. So what are you just doing? You, you, you're totally misaligned there because in the morning you said one thing and unconsciously you're, you're not honoring yourself. Yep. You are not saying you're wealthy. You're your saying I, you're your poor. Conscious identities predominated to lack. That's right. So, so, so I think that um, what, it, what, it, what needs to happen is it needs to start from reprogramming the subconscious mind. And a lot of it has to do with childhood. Yeah. Uh, when we're pre-programmed you know, and uh, it determines our destiny. So things like timeline therapy, uh, timeline healing, uh, cognitive reframing, some NLP work, things like that, or even energy healing, those things will help be able to shift that. Once that is shifted and it's released, um, then our energies are flowing and we're abundant again. But then I like how you started it because you were talking about the two groups of people, which I always speak about. And... It's very interesting because you have the hustle and grind who sometimes are lost and you also have the hustle and grind. Some people who work really, really hard but still don't get the result they want. Absolutely. So how do you explain that part if yeah. it's all down to hustle and grind? Absolutely. And then you have the woo-woo people, yeah. the people who are all tree-hugging and grounding your energies and vibrate at certain frequencies and visualize. But a lot of them, they may be spiritually they feel they're evolved or I'm very abundant or I'm full of love but actually when they open their eyes and the kid's crying because they got no food to eat and yeah. because they can't pay the bills yeah. they still go into stress so they still dive into lower vibrational frequencies in the physical reality right it's the combination of both yeah and where does the combination happen I believe law of attraction because where that vibrational frequency is, the metaphysical level, is saying that our energy attracts the opportunity towards us. But the physical action claims, it claims the manifestation. It brings it into this physical reality. Giving a very simple example, you can say, girl of my dreams, girl of my dreams, girl of my dreams. Next day you could be sat, sat in a coffee shop and then you see, whoa, oh my God, that girl's really hot and <laughs> seems exactly like exactly like what I was trying to manifest. Now what do you do? Continue with law of attraction? Let's close my eyes again, visualize, girl, my dreams, come to me, come to me, come. Is that gonna happen? It's right. not gonna happen, right. right? So what what happened? One day before you were in the vibrational frequency, one day after, they're right there. Opportunity's there. That's what the metaphysical energy did. The question now is, what is the physical action you're gonna take to be able to claim it? Yeah. Same thing with money. I need investment for my business. Manifest investment for my business. Next day, you go into a conference and a big investor's there. What do you think they're going to do? You think they're going to tap on your shoulder and say, hey, Michael, here's the money, by the way, right. you've been trying to manifest. It's not going to happen. Now the opportunity is there is because your vibrational frequency was on some parallel match. Yeah. And because it's matched, then the opportunity is there. Now the question is, how are you going to open your mouth and how are you going to pitch for the investment, which takes human skills, which takes hard work, which takes hustle and grind, it takes the work. Yeah, physical preparation. Mm, that's right. Um, I, I love what you mentioned there about your subconscious mind because <clears throat> essentially that's where everything stems from. And I'm, I always like to emphasize on the reprogramming of the subconscious mind because I, I, I say that you can, 
do all the affirmations you want. You can attend all the courses. You can get all the degrees. If your subconscious programming, if your subconscious um, geolocation is defaulted to lack and poverty and, abund- um, and all of those things, nothing you do in the physical will bring any lasting results. How can people change the subconscious programming? People are listening at home. What can they begin to do immediately to help change that subconscious programming? Okay. Um, memory, first of all, to know memory, how that works, because subconscious is stored, is memory. On the stem of the brain, there's two parts, the amygdala, which is in charge of the emotions, and the hippocampus, which is in charge of the short and long-term memory. That's how memory works. Some people can say, I have really bad memory, but it's not true. Nobody has bad memory. That same person who says, I have bad memory, you say, can you remember something from childhood? They'll say, yes. Right. So you don't have bad memory. Right. But what do people remember? People remember things that are logged from amygdala to hippocampus, that are logged through emotions. People remember every emotional high, every emotional low, right? That's what people remember. Inside your subconscious, that's how things were programmed in there. I'll give you an example. In my early 20s, I would make a lot of money, I would feel, but at the same time, I would spend it all, all the time. I would, I would be, I'm the biggest spender ever. Spend, 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 spend. So I would always be left without money while I'm pulling in a lot of money. Doesn't matter how many businesses I own, it would be the same, same result. And I never understood why. Then when I asked myself the question and I went through the coaching, what was my first relation to money? What's my earliest childhood memory of it? Then my earliest childhood memory would be, I was probably about four or five years old I'm inside McDonald's, my four, five-year-old birthday party. Mum is next to me. I look at mum and I say, mum, where is dad? Mum says, dad is working. I said, but it's my birthday. I said, why is he working? Dad is making money. I said, but why is he making money? It's my birthday. Why is he not here with me? What does it tell a four or five-year-old about money? Well, all I could gather at that time with my mind was that money takes my dad away from me. Right. My dad chose money rather than love and his own son. Right. So these things, they have a lasting effect. That's a pain relation. Yeah. Because it's emotional and I'm crying about it. Guess what? It's instilled now in the subconscious mind. And I don't even know why I hate money. Mm-hmm. Every time money comes in or do I do anything or achieve anything, I'm self-sabotaging. I'm getting rid of it. Right? And that's happening subconsciously because my conscious brain is saying, I need to make more money. Right. My subconscious is saying, it isn't good. Yeah. But I didn't even know that was happening. Wow. Mm. So to switch it, we just need to do a very simple process, which is referred to as cognitive reframing. What does that mean? If I can revisit the timeline, go back to that particular situation, feel the pain once more, but then start changing the colors of the scene to my favorite colors, start changing some beautiful music there, Start laughing about the situation. Oh, and start hearing the real truth about it. If I revisit it, I can replay the whole sequence. And then mum is saying, dad is out there making money so that you can enjoy this birthday party. Right. Dad is out there making money because he loves you so much. And then be able to be in that time feeling the shift, feeling, oh, I'm so happy that my dad loves me so much that he's out there making more money to make me happy. And if I do that switch and I come out of that visualization or meditation, subconsciously, there's been a shift, there's been a correction. That is the reframing from pain to pleasure. That is crazy because I did that without even consciously being aware. You know, my dad, when I was growing up, was one of the most successful people I knew Mm. um, financially. Mm. But he didn't really have a relationship with any of his children, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so I always thought, whilst I want to make a lot of money so that I can make my mom comfortable, mm-hmm. I also thought, yo, rich people are assholes. I always had that at the subconscious. And so when I was in my, when I was in my early 20s, it was difficult to hold on to money. Mm-hmm. And then I went through that phase where I started making a lot of money looking after everybody around me to the point where I would have none left, Mm -hmm. right? And that went on for a while Mm -hmm. to the point where I actually 
I did a um I did uh RTT therapy with a lady called Marissa Peer uh nearly nearly a decade ago and in the process some of these things came came up and I was like you know what this makes a lot of sense now it's it makes sense why I have been un- unable to hold cuz attracting money had become very easy for me. I was very good at just attracting money. I just, for some reason, couldn't convince money to stay. Mm. <laughs> um, and so that's really important to be able to change your subconscious programming. I want to talk about some of the earlier, because I like to talk about some of the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journeys a little bit about, we, we know who you are to the world and what you represent to the world now. I want to go a little bit about since you you talked on your childhood a little bit about that journey, um, how you found yourself, your lane in entrepreneurship um, and came to make all the money that you were making in your early 20s. I, I remember one of the um, first things I saw, one of the first things that resonated um, when I first got to know you was I think that catchphrase, Yogi with a Lamborghini. And I was like, you know what, this is cool. I want to be, you want to be, this is where you want to be. You want to be spiritual and bowling at the same time. <laughs> you want to be spiritual and bowling at the same time. What was that journey for you into entrepreneurship? entrepreneurship i think um not being academic was probably a good thing mm. because then uh, it it forced me to not do not be at not stay at school right. not stay at college um so i think that was a big thing having a entrepreneurial dad helped because i grew up with the blessing of being able to go to bank manager meetings with my dad where he's taking several hundreds of thousands loan after loan after loan for business after business and business. So I was learning about leverage through my upbringing. Mm. After school, where dad needs to come to go to meet the bank manager. So I used to sit in those meetings and, you know, question my dad, why do you keep borrowing money? Are we miss, are we lacking money? You know, and he right. said, no, that's how to do business, right? right, right. So it, it became normal, mm. uh, which, which I'm blessed to have, have gone through that. Um, being extremely, extremely stubborn, I feel really helps as well. I was rebellious, very rebellious when in my teenage years and, and, and I was very stubborn. And my dad was one of those hardcore, like, like he would, he's not very good at praising people, but he's very good at telling you how everybody else is better than you. Right. It can do two things. And I've seen this within my siblings as well. If you're on the other side of it, you could get depressed by it. You right. could feel like that doesn't love you. But for me, I'm stubborn enough feel, to challenge that. Right. I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do exactly what you said I can't do. Right. So I think stubbornness was a trait. Um, I think stubbornness is good when it's used towards positivity, towards empowering things, yeah. you know? And... um. I think even daring, I, I, I don't know if it was daring or it was just naive. <laughs> right. Because I was, uh, when I, already when I was around 16, 16 years old, I was working in trailer vans, uh, selling burgers at fun fairs. I lied about my age. I, I told, because they needed somebody, head chef and things like that, you know? Right. And I said, yeah, I'm a head chef, you know? Um, I don't know how I got away with it now because <laughs> when I look back at my photos, I'm like, how, how did I get away with it, right? But, um, but I started working. I started getting paid good money. The, the, these gypsies, they make a lot of money, you know? Right, <laughs> They're right, like all right. cash as well. Yes, yes. And so I used to, when, when my friends were still at school, you know, thinking about the next class they need to do, I, I'm flipping burgers and things and working trailer vans and frying noodles and stuff. And, and I'm making, what, 70, 100 pound a day. That, that was huge. Yes. Right? Yes. And um, I was making that money and because I was such a rebel that I had an argument with my mom and my dad at one point, and I walked out at the age of 15. And uh, I, because I, I was brought up in Newcastle, I walked out, I got onto a train, I knew one person in the city of Leeds, so I moved into Leeds, and I stayed with this person for a few days, and I knew that I needed to rent somewhere because, well, they kind of kicked me out, you know. Right. Like, Why are you staying at my place forever, you know? <laughs> so I realized that, oh, I need to pay rent at 15. Wow. <clears throat> I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I, I, I illegally, <laughs> I, I was driving, I bought a car because I need to get around. <laughs> I, was, I was driving when I was 15. We've all done it. 
it, they didn't used to check things like that, you know, insurance, things like that. It yeah. used to be like, have you got insurance? Yes. Yeah. Okay, go report to the police station in seven days with your thing. Okay, I will. What's yeah. your name? Daniel. What's your surname? Chan. Okay. Well, every single time it was the same thing. You know, I still remember my, yeah. <laughs> my name for police. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope they can't come back to this. First. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's but, um, but anyway, I was that kid. I was, I was very rebellious. Mm. And um, so I, I got I got a got a got a home, and when you get a home at that age, obviously you start learning about responsibilities. Right. Wow, I got to pay rent. Yes, you know, wow, there's the bills. council tax yes. and things. What is all this type of stuff? So you start learning about that stuff. Um, and because I grew up in an environment of dad telling me uh, and showing me, you know, this is business, and you open restaurants, and that's how you make a lot of money and things like that. So when I was, uh, I think it was nineteen or twenty years old. I had went to some banks to try to borrow some money. I knew the process. I go to find a, a venue. I found a venue, 2,500 square foot. And I said, and I get it priced up by some builders. And then I go to the bank. I borrow the money to then open my first restaurant. So that's what I did. But it was 460,000 pounds. In theory, no bank would really lend to a 19-year-old with no assets no, or anything, yeah, yeah. 460,000 pounds. And I'm saying I was naive because I was naive, naive enough to swipe, to apply for credit cards, swipe credit cards, use 3K after 5K, after 3K, after 2K, and gather up 15K, take 15K to borrow 30K on leverage, take 30K to go to another bank. And I don't know if I <laughs> can say the lie about having that money yeah. and leveraging from yeah. 30k to another 90k taking 90k my final leverage was 90k borrow the 200k then i had 300k from 300k i realized there's something called asset finance loan i realized there's something called a VAT bridging loan mm -hmm. i realized there's personal loan so I, I there was i can't even remember how many loans now but there was a lot of loans i took and i opened my first restaurant so i was around 20 years old and i opened the doors and i remember how it used to happen for dad whenever he opened his restaurant. Bam, everyone starts coming in, cash starts rolling in. Yeah. I opened my doors, two families came in in the next few hours. And I sat there, I was thinking, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> right. This is a good location, is it not? <laughs> and then I'm still kind of naive because I still don't quite get the whole scenario yet because I've never managed this amount of money before. Right. And then I think it was two weeks, I already received a phone call from, uh, his name's Ian, uh, the bank manager. And I said, hi, Ian. He said, yes, um, you, your bank is overdrawn. I said, it's not overdrawn. I said, there's 15K in there. That's the cash flow that we set aside for the thing. No, 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 it's gone off to the uh, repayments. And I said, what repayments? So <laughs> it was naive enough to not even consider or do any math to do with understanding that, oh, that repayment alone was like 22K a month. And then I'm like, no. And I've got all the other repayments of all the credit cards and all the loans and things like that. And I total it up and I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to get through this month. But the biggest thing, I hope by in this podcast, I'm not going to be teaching people all the wrong things here. But, <laughs> you know what? but the, they say every master was once a disaster. <laughs> and I think this is the- this But is it's a similar journey because I have a similar story too. So clearly people make these mistakes. <laughs> so the last loan- um, they had they had said they need to have some sort of personal guarantee or asset against it. Otherwise, you can't take that last loan. Yeah. Bear in mind, this was before the, the that crash. bank crash, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. I could still before get it there. Pre-2008. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably I was a contributor. <laughs> so anyway, so um, that last loan, I couldn't get. And if I couldn't get, I couldn't open the restaurant. And I'm like, well, I have to get this last one. So they said, do you have a uh, property? And for some reason, uh, well, I just said, yes, I do. And they said, okay, how much is it worth? So I thought, okay, the only property I know is my mom and dad's house. Yeah. So I said, this is the property. So I sent them the address and everything. Okay, can you get uh, the site signature of the owner and things like that? So I just quickly did this yeah. and then submitted it. I think after the crash, they probably couldn't do that anymore, <laughs> right? But, but that's I'm surprised how- they weren't checking before. But I was, no, but I was so shocked that, I was shocked actually that it just came through and I was like, oh my God, it just, it, it, I yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes things just happen, you know, yeah. it divinely happens. And so, so that came through. So at when this whole thing was happening with this repayment thing, 
I was not afraid of losing the money that because it was mine in the first place. Yeah. I was I was so naive that I was like, it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. And I remember once upon a time, my dad even told me that going bankrupt in UK, be because I had an uncle that went bankrupt. Mm. So growing up, he said, look how smart he is. He keeps borrowing money and keeps going bankrupt and then he, he never needs to pay it <laughs> off. So in my mind, as a 20-year-old entrepreneur, I was like, well, it doesn't matter if I can't pay it off, I'll go bankrupt, right? <laughs> so I was like that. Right. But there's only one thing I feared. What was that? Dad. Mm. If their house gets taken away, yes. Yes. they're going to kill me. Literally. Right? Like, I didn't yeah. care about anything else, but that was what I didn't want. So, yeah. so it, that, and I always talk about it now, that emotion, because it was a very strong emotional drive to save my ass. Mm. I did things that I would never do before that. I, I, I grew up an introvert. Um, I would be afraid just to speak to the any person or anything like that. Mm. I started going out on the streets, pulling people into the restaurant, selling this buffet restaurant to the whole family. Family, bring bring your friends, bring your family. I'll give you this discount, do this. Do. I was speaking to everybody because I felt like I was on the edge of, you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I had no choice. You had to do what you had so to do. So it forced me into that position. That's why I say emotion is energy in motion. It gave me that motion. Gave, it made me active even though I feared it. Mm. And... It, I eventually became comfortable with speaking to people and I learned a whole new trait, mm. which was sales, marketing. Absolutely. And, 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 and knowing what hard work actually was, you yeah. know? So I used to do all the leafleting and everything like that. And I brought the business in. And um, uh, thank, thank God, uh, within a few years, I was managed to pay off all the loans as well. Yeah. <laughs> <My> incredible <laughs> I did the same foolishness when I was 19 borrowing all of that money to start my first business and i remember it it failed terribly mm -hmm. it was absolutely oh my goodness i remember being i remember being 21 years old sitting in my mom's living room i've got everybody calling me because i owed everybody <laughs> i had maxed out my credit i had maxed out my personal relationship credit too um and i was like you know what I just want to die at this point. <laughs> Let me just finish all of it. But it's it's amazing to see to see the growth. But it's also amazing to see that we all have similar journeys and similar mm -hmm. stories um, and how we were able to overcome that mm -hmm. and be able to get ahead. Can fast forward to all these years now. We're here in Dubai. This way we're, we're doing this recording. And you've got some exciting things happening here in Dubai. Um, right. As this is going out, the weekend, literally after this, this broadcast, which is this forthcoming weekend, you've got something going on. Tell us about this um, uh, yes, we have an event. Uh, it's our signature event. It's called Manifesting Miracles. So three days, we help people uh, cleanse, uh, reprogram the subconscious mind as well, calm the energies. Uh, we help people raise their vibrational frequency, connect with the universe. We also help people work on the uh, mechanics behind it, strategies behind how to actually achieve the goals, the action, mm. not just the yeah, vibrations. Yeah, the Yeah. Yeah. And then on the final day is one of my favorite days because we then go into more mystical practices to awaken certain sensories, to um, find purpose, understand purpose, understand themselves. And for some people, able to, um, on a light dimension travel, and experience something that is in alternate reality. So this is very good for seeker's journey, spirituality. So that's the event that's happening uh, this weekend. Yeah. Amazing. So this is what, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday Friday, Saturday, event? Sunday, yeah. Where is it happening? How do we um, It's happening in it? uh, Dubai Knowledge Park. Yeah. And um, I think what I'll do, I'll probably I'll give you a link or something like that, Fantastic. and then probably give you a... a batch of guest invite tickets amazing. so you can gift it to your your people uh, amazing make sure you're following the moving mountains pod underscore instagram page this is where we're going to give the tickets away because this is a brilliant event i'm going to actually endeavor to be there as well and and partake of that i'm the last question this has been so i can actually sit here and talk talk to you all day right um but the last question i want to touch on is you talked about purpose and i've always found <clears throat> purpose to be a very interesting subject in in your opinion and your view is purpose something you find or something you create <laughs> I, I i think i don't quite look at it that way in a sense if we look at the word purpose mm. uh, when are you um serving a purpose when you are purposeful right um let's say for example if i'm in a kitchen and i'm cooking right and then you're wandering around the kitchen and you, you could possibly say, 
I can't find my purpose. Uh, Sabrina could walk in and she and and say, uh, "Master, would you like me to help you cut the cut these or cook this or cook that?" Then she will be like, "I'm very purposeful in this moment, so I won't be searching for purpose. I won't be like, what should I do here? Mm. What where is my place in this kitchen? I wouldn't ask that question because she's purposeful, right? So that's when we train with our masters. They always say, if you want to find your purpose, first equip yourself. You cannot find purpose without equipping yourself. Meaning, if you don't have skill sets, yeah. if you're not a master at different things, if you are not an expert at different things, if you are not the best at certain skill sets and things, how are you going to find purpose? You will never find purpose. You, you sit there all day long. We, I'm supposed to start a YouTube channel. No, not if you don't. If you're not good at speaking, you probably won't think that. No, not if you don't understand cameras, you're probably not going to think that. I'm supposed to be a dancer. You wouldn't think that if you don't know how to dance. So people should venture, especially mm. people who are in in in, in the young. It doesn't matter twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. Doesn't matter. Still young. They should venture out, try different things. But when they try, they cannot try everything just by touching it. And this is a trait that I've seen within the things that I do. And I've started to notice that pattern now is that it doesn't matter that back then I wanted to learn entrepreneurship and I wanted to become the best at it. It doesn't matter if I was doing franchising, I want to become the best at it. It doesn't matter I said I, w- I, I become a speaker, I want to be the best at it. It doesn't matter I start a YouTube channel, I want to become the best at it. It doesn't matter even just small hobbies and things like that. I find that I'm an addict. Right. I am. It's like... A few years ago, somebody um, introduced me to boxing. So I went to a boxing class and I just wanted to spar straight away. So when I went into sparring, I kept getting hit and I couldn't hit the other guy. And it really frustrated me. It frustrated me to a point where I YouTubed every boxing thing. I went to all the boxing classes. I learned about every slip and everything and things like that. And I kept going back and I said, let's fight again. Let's fight again. Let's spar again. Until it came a point where this person says, I don't want to fight you. <laughs> right. I, I know why you don't want to fight me because you keep getting <laughs> hit and you can't hit me anymore, right? And, I, and, and, and that's not to say, hey, I'm so good at this. This is to say, this is a success trait. Right. And I realized that everything I've done, whether it's playing the guitar, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is, I've always had that type of addiction. And that's why I've never really had the question of what's my purpose. Mm. Because at any given moment, I could choose, I'll do that, or I'll do that. Oh, there's an opportunity there, I'll do that. And I always find purpose. You see, in fact, the more skill sets you have, the bigger, the, the more people you can serve, the, the, the more you can help people. Fantastic. That was a brilliant answer, by the way. Um, but that also goes to further affirm that there isn't a set defined purpose. It essentially evolves from depending on the season of your life that you're in, isn't That's it? Right. It's an evolutionary it's an evolutionary journey. That's right. And it continues to manifest itself in different ways as you go along in your journey. I love that. I love that. Listen, <laughs> it, this has been absolutely brilliant having you on the Moving Mountains podcast. You absolutely have to come back in the future. Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me. <laughs> absolute pleasure. I am a big fan of your YouTube channel. Please share with the people what your YouTube channel is because they need to go and subscribe right now. Ah, They just search Master Sri Akashna on YouTube and they'll be able to find it. Fantastic. Listen, absolute pleasure. Listen, guys, you've been listening to the Moving Mountains podcast. This has been Wisdom Wednesdays. My guest has been Master Sri Akashna. I hope you're blessed. Have an amazing week. All new episodes drops every Monday and Wednesday, available on all platforms.